Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-focused group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives. They focus on the growth of hockey in Hong Kong and southern China, as well as the development of student-athletes, where sporting goals are achieved alongside educational pursuits. The CHG is comprised of a number of hockey programs. Established in 2011, the CIHL is Hong Kong's elite adult hockey league. The Junior Tigers program is Hong Kong's premier youth hockey organization, featuring the Scotia Bank Island League and Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs. The SCIHL is an adult league for those seeking a more recreational experience. In addition, the CHG showroom is the exclusive reseller of Bauer Warrior hockey equipment and offers services including skate sharpening and fittings. For more information and links to their social media sites, go visit ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to Across the Pond, Hong Kong's first and only hockey podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ivany, and my guest today was born and raised in beautiful Malaysia. He's the founder and head coach of Gary Tan Ice Hockey Academy, which is Malaysia and Southeast Asia's first and only hockey academy. During his 15 years of coaching, he's traveled to Canada, the U.S., Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia, and even here to Hong Kong. Most importantly, he started the very first hockey programs in both Malaysia and Indonesia. Please welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks, Mr. Gary Tan. How are you, Gary? Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're very welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'm really excited to, uh, to have you on as my first video podcast guest. So this is really exciting. I, I, I feel honored. I feel yeah, honored. And I'm super excited to be here because it's been a while since, since I've talked about hockey. <laughs> Being locked down, like, like right now in Malaysia, like yeah. uh, we're going under a full lockdown from the 1st of June for two weeks. So, yeah. Everything's been shut down here. It's certainly been a, a crazy couple of years over here, hasn't it? And everywhere else in the world. How about um, how about the playoffs, though? You're getting lots of time to uh, to watch hockey oh, these yeah. days. Definitely. I mean, it's a bit tough with a baby now. I got an eight month old baby, but I do my best. Congratulations. To watch thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I do my best to watch as many games as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm a big Penguins fan, so they are okay. out right now. So. Uh, so I've kind of jumped ship and I'm uh, trying to follow the Leafs or the or Vegas. So those are my two teams right now. All right. Well, best of luck with the Leafs. Did you see what I... You, obviously, I'm a Habs fan. I know, I know. I saw that. <laughs> I knew. Game seven, buddy. Game, game seven's coming. It's going to oh, be, yeah, it's gonna gonna be, be great. great. Honestly speaking, I think, uh, I think Montreal has a heads up right now. So, you know, they've got a chance they've got a chance yeah. i think uh, toronto has to they have to beat the ghosts of the of toronto past yeah yeah and now uh, that, that guy uh in goal that guy yeah he's pretty good eh all right gary let's get right into this so uh, let's take me back to your childhood you, i know you were born in malaysia tell me a little bit about your childhood uh, and your family well i have a, a younger an older brother uh and uh I've like born and raised in Malaysia. I played like tons of sports growing up and uh, I represented uh, my school in football, in 
badminton and table tennis, like uh, athletics. So I also did taekwondo. Like I, I grew up just playing sports. And I think it was when I was uh, 14 or 15, uh, I had a friend of mine uh, invite me over to this inline skating rink. It was an outdoor inline skating rink. And I had no idea what it was, right? So I went over there and I saw two teams play. It was a, it was Team Rollerblade Malaysia versus a, a Canadian team of teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So I just sat there and I watched inline hockey for the first time and I just fell in love with it. Wow. And I, I, I've never skated before. I've never held a stick before in my life. But that was my first time seeing it. And I guess that was where it kind of all started, the, the passion, I guess. Just the interest, right? Like that, yeah. that sparked my interest. So what so, was it? What was it about the game that you loved so much right away? Well, I guess I was a big fan of, of football, right? Soccer, yeah. whatever you yeah. call it. So <laughs> I, I was a big I was a big fan of that. So the the rules are somewhat similar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to score a goal, obviously, right? So yeah. and uh the the speed, right? And and the skills and the stuff. So at, at that time, obviously, I had no idea. Like, I was from Malaysia. <laughs> no idea what inline hockey yeah. was. So seeing that for the first time, I was still, like, blown away. When so happened, I lived nearby that drink. And I decided to, you know, get my own pair of skates and just started playing. And uh, everything started from, from inline hockey at first. So I, I had a team, a bunch of friends from school. So we started a team called the Grim Reapers. Grim Reapers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it was just a bunch of friends, like just yeah. joining together and playing hockey. And I remember our, our first game, our goalie was wearing like, like uh, field hockey pads and makeshift gloves and blocker. And, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. At, back That's then, amazing. Like, That's so yeah, cool. And, and uh, we all like, just started to fall in love with it. Like, like for me personally, like I didn't know much. There, there weren't many coaches. We didn't have an ice hockey coach. Right. So I had my, my late grand uncle who was a national team field hockey coach. So he came in and helped us out uh, to coaches, but he was a field hockey coach. He had no idea about inline hockey or whatever. Right. So, uh, and it all started from there. So, uh, all of us uh, just started training. We just started training. We started to play. Yeah. And so happened at that time, there was like big sponsors, like Coca-Cola was one of the big sponsors. So they would sponsor a, a tournament, a monthly tournament. And uh, at the end of the year, every month we would get points. And at the end of the year, there's like a Grand Prix, like an end of the year tournament when mm-hmm. the top four or five teams would play in a, in a tournament so yeah we would look forward to that i remember uh, my first game like we got hammered like yeah it was fun so was uh, there was there ice hockey at the time in the city and how many no, no there no, were there wasn't even an ice hockey rink no the wow. first ice rink opened in 1997 okay and i started playing when in 1994 so a good like like three three four years before an ice rink opened mm-hmm. so at that time like it, it just uh, well, just inline hockey. There was no thought of ice hockey back then. Right. Zero. And was but, it was yeah. the first was the first uh, ice surface in a shopping mall, or was it in a rink? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was in okay. the mall. Yeah, Pyramid. That's one of the. That's the. That's the uh, it's a small ice rink. Okay. Half the size of a regulation size ice rink. 
And how many ice surfaces are there there now? Oh, let me see. Right now, uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID? <laughs> pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Like pre-COVID, we had one, two, three, four, uh, four. Four ice rings, okay. Uh, two closed down already, mm-hmm. two closed down during COVID. Right. And two opened up. Another two smaller rings opened up. So we, we still have about four, but only two ice rings where they allow hockey. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty fast growth from uh, from inline hockey in the mid '90s to to four to six ice surfaces twenty years oh, later and like, yeah like the way I I was thinking about it like how times have changed yeah like we could barely get players in at, at the very beginning but things just kind of grew yeah like my my passion for for ice hockey actually started like when I was in high school like during when I started playing uh, inline hockey. So this was uh this is how I got to love the Pittsburgh Penguins too, right? Like <laughs> I was in my school library and they had a Sports Illustrated magazine, and on the cover there was Mario Lemieux and Yaromi Yager. That's so amazing. The story was about about uh, Lemieux's uh, leukemia, how he recovered from his leukemia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So so he was my first. Obviously, everybody knew Gretzky, right? But yeah. Lemieux was my hero growing up. Like I, 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 I idolized uh, Lemieux, and uh, I just started to read up on on ice hockey, and it all started from there. And uh, right now, uh, my luck is Sidney Crosby. Like I'm a I'm a huge Crosby fan. Right, so that's awesome. And so happened Crosby plays for the Penguins, and he stayed with Lemieux, and it all gelled up. And yeah, you you, you kind of said quickly there. You said. Uh, um you obviously knew who Gretzky was. Yes. Like that how did you obviously know who Gretzky was being in Asia? Like how did how did how did that happen? That's a good question. Uh video games. Ah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even joking. Video games. Wow. Video games. NHL, whatever, 97 or I don't know what. I can't remember. Like it was just video games, right? Right. Like, like I would learn certain things, like so. I would see someone in the game. So in the games back then, there were intros to hockey plays. Like you were in, when you when you put the disc in, they'll play like a intro video for, right. for the game. Highlights. And then you see the, yeah, highlights, right? Yeah. So I would see like like Gretzky or Brad Hull take a one timer or slap shot, or you see Joe Sake or mm-hmm. and, and I would slow down that, that part and I would play it back just to see how they would do it, just to learn. So that's how I would learn certain things. Like I, honestly speaking, most of the things that I've learned when I when I started was just common sense. <laughs> really, figured it out myself. And you didn't have a coach. The back right. Then. Like, so at that time when you were when you know just getting introduced to the game, obviously the, you probably weren't able to watch hockey on TV. Oh, not at all. There no. was no hockey. Like yeah, just just we were lucky enough to to get like uh, highlight videos like once in a blue moon. But I was very lucky. Like uh, back then, cable TV started to come in. Right? Yeah. And I had a friend who worked at the cable TV. He he was it was really pure by pure luck, right? So yeah. he was in charge of of uh, recording and uh, just looking at tapes of uh, different channels, right? And he would get Sports Center, right? He would get Sports Center. Okay. So, so he would record all the hockey uh, highlights. Or sometimes there were games, 
and he would he would share the VHS tape with me. He <laughs> was a VHS tape. Wow. Yeah. So he would share that with me, or I would go over, like I would sneak into to the studio, and I would would sit down and watch all the hockey. So that was how it all started. Like like it's it's crazy to think about right now. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it's really cool, man. So you're like you start ice skating. You play your first hockey when you're 18 years old. Is that correct? I think I was under 19. So the first year, I didn't have enough money actually. So when the ice rink opened, I didn't have enough money to to play. So uh, I would how would this my first time actually on the ice. I used everything my head to toe except for my glove and my stick from inline hockey. So I would borrow everything from my friend. So my mm. skates, my helmet, everything I used to to borrow my friends' uh, stuff, right? So I never had my own gear until like later on, like much much later on, right? Right. Uh, but because at that time I couldn't afford it, so I actually would work, like I would, I would help out to put because we didn't have safety nets, right? So we would help to put on safety nets. I would put on the safety nets and I would take down the safety nets so that I wouldn't have to pay for the uh, ice time. So, so that was my kind of like, uh, wow. payback. Like, That's so yeah. cool, man. The things that people like some of the challenges and some of the things that other people have had to go through to learn the game or to even see, uh, what the game is like, or to learn what it's about. It's just, it's mind blowing to me because being from Canada, I mean, everything was right in front of our face, our whole yeah. lives. So we, you know, we had outdoor rinks, we could skate on the ponds and, you know, winter. <laughs> so, uh, obviously a huge advantage and it's just incredible to see that, you know, it, people like you took those extra steps to make, to give yourself an opportunity to learn this game. So, yeah, how many? How long was it between when you first started skating till you played your first organized hockey game? Okay, so the first—I can't remember the year—but my first game that we played against another team, like from another country, was in Singapore. Like we took a bus ride down to Singapore to play, I think, a couple of games. Yeah. In one of the old rings, the Kalang Ring, which is it's about the same size as Sunway Pyramid. I would say it's like a Dragon Center. It's about the same size yeah. as Dragon Center. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so it was super, I can remember it was super foggy and everything. So that was my first recollection of organized games. So we would have like like our own local leagues and I can still remember we barely could have enough like for, for two or three teams. <laughs> barely had enough for two or three teams. Right? Yeah. It was, so, yeah. It was hard. Like and it all started from uh, from just players just skating and just trying to learn the game, right? So everybody, most of them were students back then. Right? I yeah. was a student, and we so, had a couple of senior guys. Um, you uh, when did when did coaching become something that you uh, you thought maybe you would be interested in trying? That's a very good question as well. Like to be honest, like I've always. Uh, been interested in coaching ever since I was younger. Mm. Like I would help out as a like taekwondo. I, that was which kind of where it all started. Like I would help coach taekwondo as well, and, uh, and then I did swimming as well. I did like I was an assistant swimming instructor. Then uh, it went from there to to football to what is this badminton. So I helped out, and uh, and then when I even when I started inline hockey, like like I would help out younger players or we had a couple of girls who wanted to learn so i would just 
just help them out. So it all it's kind of snowball. Like it just was always there. I never knew. I never knew I was gonna be a coach, a ice hockey coach, right? But yeah. it was always there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, man. So um, to where you're at today, from what I'm hearing from you coming out of your mouth right now, it's just kind of blowing my mind. Um, you, so you're very, you start coaching. Uh, tell me a little bit about the challenges you faced in the very beginning. Um, some of the challenges that you faced coaching or, or trying to build hockey. Uh, uh, information. Like it was super difficult to get uh, information like on, on anything concerning hockey. Can you imagine in 1998, you know, internet? Where was yeah. the internet? Like, Dial up. There was nothing, right? Like, yeah. Everything was not, not as what it is right now, right? Like YouTube, you can like literally find everything on YouTube right now. Right. right. But back then, there was, there was not many people like interested in the game. Like I would say now we're talking about ice hockey, right? Like, yeah. And I was lucky enough that uh, one of, the, the we call him the the grandfather of hockey here. His name is John Fuda, John Fuda. Okay, so so John was uh was a headmaster at Sunway University, Sunway College. Okay, so Sunway uh, is where the ice ring was. So he was he started the first kind of like he started helping out uh the hockey program our club back then right to to coach. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of like my first coach. So uh, I would get uh, info from him. And so his story was he, he used to coach uh, Eric Lindros when he was uh, younger, right? Wow. So that's how we, and, and, and I didn't know who Eric Lindros was back then, right? So yeah. I had to find out and he told stories. So John, me and John are really, really close. And, and John was the one who kind of gave me my first shot. Like, uh, so I'm going to skip forward a little bit mm-hmm. and go to 2005. Okay. Like in, in, in January 2005, like I, I, I kind of was lost. Like I, I had no idea what, what to do, right? But I had always, my passion was hockey, right? And at that time, we had no hockey program. But there was no, the knowledge wasn't there. Like there were not many people helping out. And I was a terrible skater back then, I'll be honest. Really? I was a horrible, yeah, I was a horrible... I would only stop on my right leg. I could not stop on my left leg to save my life. Okay. Like, and I, no one was there to teach, right? There was nobody to teach me. But I was already helping out. Like, I was trying to promote the sport back then, but, you know, to, to as much as I could, right? So, uh, one, one day, I, I still remember this, like, I couldn't sleep that one day. And I was just thinking, what is the one thing that I would love to do. And by the way, this, I was, I was 25. I was already 25, right? So what's the one thing that I would look, like I want to do that I wouldn't regret when I get older. And so, yeah, so I thought, okay, shit, I want to coach. I want, I want to learn more. I want to play hockey more. Right? I want to be better. Yeah. So the only person I knew was John and he was in Canada. He went back to Canada, right? So this was like two or three o'clock in the morning. I woke up, I went on my computer and I, and I emailed John at three in the morning to, uh, I still have that email. Right. And I just asked John, like, John, this is a long shot. Like, but what are the chances of me coming over and, and learning hockey in Canada? And it took him like, so I, I thought he didn't receive my email. Mm-hmm. So two or three weeks later, he replied me and said, like, okay, Gary, 
uh, and I thought he forgot about it. I was like, okay, forget about it. It's back yeah. to my life. Right? Yeah. So he replied me like two or three weeks later. And, said, I, and he said, Gary, I found someone. Uh, so Mike Fira, who, who, who was the assistant general manager of the LA Kings, yeah. who is now one of the hosts of Sportsnet. Right. So, right. Yeah. so Mike, Mike, uh, Mike knew someone, his old teammate, Jules Jardine. So Jules is my savior. So Okay. Jules, he runs a hockey school in, in Toronto called World Class Hockey Development. So Jules, uh, so John uh, spoke to Mike, Mike spoke to Jules, and it, it all started from there. Everything snowballed, right? And I had no idea about all of this, right? So That's I've so met amazing. Mike before. Yeah, so I might I met Mike before when he came down to Malaysia to visit his dad. So uh, I, I just got an email and I just like, this is for real. Like, I could go to Canada. Wow. <laughs> and at that and at that time, like, imagine this is two thousand and five, right? Yeah. Again, internet wasn't there still. It's yeah. Just starting to grow, right? Yeah. And I had no idea. Like, it was a shot in the dark. Like, literally, I had had no, I knew zero people there. I had no idea who Jules was at that time. The only person I knew it was was John, and John lived like. He lived out the outskirts of Ontario, right? Like he, he was like a few hours away. Yeah. So everything just started to grow from there. But my recollection of that is Yeah, take uh, me through that. So you get this email, you decide, hey, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm jumping on a plane, heading to Canada. And that must yeah. have been pretty intimidating to be going to a place where hockey is <laughs> hockey is everything. And you're going in as a, as you know, um, as an outsider, I would say, uh, without oh, any, yes. without um, any, um, you know, I don't mean that in no. a negative way. No, no, um, no. But yeah. what was that? What was that like? And and just talk to me a little bit about that experience in Canada. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that that is an experience that I I love talking about because uh, not many people would experience this. Yeah. So I just want to 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 queue up like. At that time, I was still working. Like, I was still doing a 95 job. I was a, a research consultant for an IT company. So, I, I, I told my boss, like, like, I need to do this, right? I, and I said, I need to go for, I, I was there for about four to five months. So, it's either I quit or if you could, I would appreciate if you could give me an unpaid leave, right? So, at that time, uh, there nothing much was happening back in Malaysia. Like there was, there was nothing. Uh, there was no national team. There was no. There was wasn't much program, right? So, uh, but we. I was lucky enough that uh, I had the support of a couple of people in my clubs, and I wanted to to go and learn, right? So they would write for, write a letter for me to go overseas. So, uh, it was during the summer of uh, 2005 right and I, I told my parents like can you imagine telling your Asian parents in 2005 <laughs> that I want to go to Canada to learn hockey I can't I can't even imagine it is, it is yeah it's crazy <laughs> so and, yeah did they how what was the re, what was the reaction they think I was crazy yeah it was crazy right? yeah yeah but but they supported me like my, my parents, that's what that's that's what matters the most right yeah, yeah I, I will always remember, I will always be thankful because they actually dipped 
into their uh, life savings to 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 pay for my trip to Canada. So I'm very very thankful for them for for doing that, right? Yeah, Back incredible. then, like again, I I didn't I didn't grow up in a rich family or you know well-to-do family, right? Mm-hmm. We made do, right? But they they saw my passion, they they saw my interest, right? And and I knew back then really like that I wasn't gonna let them down. Like I, if I was going to go there, it was going to be all or nothing. Like I I was going to be, I had the clear mindset of what I wanted to to do, and as as I said before, like when I went there, I my knowledge was at best ten percent. Like like I couldn't do many things. I could I could shoot the puck. I knew I could shoot the puck. From, from inline hockey, I would practice yeah. that a lot, right? And uh, uh, so I got hold of Jules. I emailed him. I I spoke to him. I said, "Okay, Jules, like uh, I would love to 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 learn from you, right?" And he was gracious enough to to allow me to come, and and he didn't charge me anything. He and he let me stay at his place for a few days until I found another place outside. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and I stayed by myself. That was the first time I was staying by myself in an attic, like in the I, attic, like there. Yeah, and I still remember. Yeah, I had a small room in an attic. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, and yeah, I had this tiny table with a small closet and a tiny bed. Yeah, but, yeah, and so, and I was lucky that that Jules hooked me up with. Uh, with the training program, right? Mm-hmm. So, I remember 2005, I think it was in June 2005, like, I arrived in, in Toronto. So, it was my first time there, right? Like, I had no idea who Jules was. I just saw a picture of him. Yeah. And, yeah, he picked me up and we went back to his place. And, yeah, so that was my first time in, in Canada. And, and as you know, like, everywhere like you see billboards of the leaves and stuff like that mm. and i was like whoa it's like shit i'm in canada i can't believe it right and it was so mind-blowing right yeah and it's like okay gary uh so i got to know jules like throughout my my you know the stay yeah and now he's one of my best friends yeah and a father figure also right that's incredible so he me under his wing. yeah but uh he said gary like this is like he told me, Gary, go to sleep early, wake up in the morning, first day of camp, like the next day, jet lag and everything. I was like yeah. super excited. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so were you just, were you coming on the ice as a, as a kind of, as an assistant coach and just helping him out and just following him around, learning the ropes yes, kind of exactly. thing? Yeah, exactly. So okay. I would, they were, uh, uh, at first I was doing that and also I would participate in some camps. So I would be a player in the camp. Right. So when when I was there, I would always join the 10 to 12 year old kids only. Right. Because I, yeah, I wasn't good enough for, for anyone older, right? So my level was at the 10 to 12 year old level. Yeah. At that time. And and the young kids would help me out as well when I was there. Like I, I couldn't do, like I couldn't do an inside age or an outside age. I had no idea, right? Right. And and I was very thankful. Like I could have had like a a thousand different coaches in Canada and none would have been as helpful as Joe's. Like I could honestly say that I could be, and he taught me everything. Like he, he was patient enough to teach me everything and, and showed me the ropes of how to, to start a 
hockey program, right? Like he he actually taught me everything I know yeah. right now, like how to start my hockey program, right? So and how how long was your first uh, trip to Canada? How long did that last? About four four to five months. It was the whole summer. And so it must it was, have been a steep a steep learning well, curve. Every day I was skating every day. On weekends I would roll a bit around town. I would go downtown and I would roll a bit. I would roll a bit everywhere. I would have my skates in my bag and I would skate. Every- so I was on my skates every day for four to five months. Wow. And, and that's kind of how it all kind of grew, right? So mm-hmm. I remember before I left, people were teaching me how to stop, like to skate. Yeah. And when I came back, I was teaching the whole of Malaysia how to skate. So that was, that was kind of a, a, a cool thing. But, but the thing, when I went over there, I went over with one mind, one goal. Yeah, and that was to be better at what I did, and to to learn as much as I could, and and I and I met some incredible coaches mm-hmm. who helped me out. Like they were so helpful. If it wasn't for them being helpful, like picking me up, dropping me back, because I had no idea, right? Yeah, and they showed me the ropes. They showed me everything, and yeah, like. Well, everything you've said, everything you've said so far is so, so inspirational, man. It's like the hoops that you had to go through to, uh, to pull this off and, you know, the dedication and the mindset that it took and the passion. I can see your passion, man. Like when I was first introduced to you, um, you know, I started following you on social media and um, yeah, I, would, I would say your passion for hockey rivals anyone I know. And that's uh, pretty incredible, man. Um, yeah. And so you spent four or five months in Canada. You learn the ropes. Uh, you come back to Malaysia and you start the very first uh, hockey programs in your country. Um, how proud were you at the time to be able to do that for your people? Uh, it was <laughs> at that time, you don't think much about it, right? Like, right. I was excited to come back and, and, and show off to all my friends for the new skills I've learned, right? Like, yeah. hey, guys, this is what a saucer pass should look like. Yeah. No one told me what a saucer pass was. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at my saucer pass. I'm like, whoa. Right. Look at my, you know, all this, you know, the, the, you know how you pick up the puck and all that yeah. stuff, you know, like, like, like toe drags. No one knew. No one knew anything. They didn't know how to do anything. Right. So imagine all of this, like the toe drags, the, mm. you know, those, those things that they do with the puck and all that stuff. Like back then, no one knew. Like, right. it was still new, right? And I would come back and I would show them all the skills that I learned, the, the age control drills. So I, I was very firm on power skating, right? So that's what... Uh, Fundamentals. Yes, yes. Yeah. And at that time, no one knew what, what inside age or outside age stuff were, right? Like right now, you could like like blink and you could find stuff on, on YouTube. Yeah. But back then, there were not much people who were teaching that. Right. In, I would say in Asia. Like... No one knew back then, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that was certainly at a point where hockey was just starting to take off. And, you know, some of the hot spots in Asia, like Japan and Korea, maybe northern China. Um, and um, it seemed to trickle down slowly into Southeast Asia. And at that time, in 2005, you start hockey. And did you, did you imagine that two years later, you would have a national hockey team in your oh, country? No. Never. So... It- as I mentioned, it, it all snowballed, right? It, it came with an idea at that time, like, uh, why don't we start a national team? Like, we already had, like, we started the federation, mm-hmm. but uh, we were like, okay, let's 
take the next step. Let's uh, apply to be in the double IHF, right? So in 2006, we applied and I think we got like approval for like us. I can't remember what it's called, but a partial entry into the federation. Mm -hmm. right? So, so uh, and at that time, the goal was the Asian Winter Games in 2007. So, and, and mind you, like none of us have ever played on an international size ice rink before. You understand? Wow. Like, so our ice rink was, imagine, like it was half the size of a uh, regulation size rink, right? So mm -hmm. most of them, I mean, except for myself, because I went to Canada, right? So most of them have never played on a full-size ice rink. And we went over to uh, China to play. And, and another thing we were not used to, full contact. We were, we've never played full contact before. That was our first time playing full contact, right? So, and I, as I mentioned to you before, I, yeah. uh, our first game was against Hong Kong, which is quite yeah. ironic. I can remember the final score. I think it was like 5-2 or 5-3. I, I, I remember it was a good game. You won uh, your very uh, first hockey game. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, and I was so, like, it was exciting. I was I, I was lucky enough to be the captain. Right. So I was also, I was the first flag bearer for Malaysia in a winter sport. So that was cool. Wow, like, man. Like, the flag, yeah. That was That's really, so really cool. cool. That is really, yeah, really I, cool. I don't think that, yeah, I, I would say that would be top five like in my life highlights. Yeah. Like so tell me a little bit about the skill level. So like, what was your, you were the captain of the team. Were you, were you the best player on the team? Uh, I would say at that time, like I was probably one of the better players because, right. because I went to Canada. Like, of so course. I, I, learned, I learned a lot of stuff over there and my skill level was a little bit higher. Right. But we had some good players back then already. How, where did the good players come from and how did they get good so fast? From inline hockey. Actually, most of the good players okay. were from inline hockey. Yeah. yeah. So most okay. of the players from inline hockey joined ice hockey. So gotcha. that's kind of how it all started. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were lucky enough that uh, we had a guy. Uh, uh, he, he's a Malaysian guy who lived in Switzerland. So I, I kind of got to knew, know him like way before. And yeah. I contacted him and I said, hey, would you like to play from Malaysia? So he, he came back and he he kind of brought a bit more like knowledge of hockey. Mm -hmm. He was a defenseman. So uh, yeah, his name is Jamil. So he, he came down and he helped us out for a couple of years until uh, they changed the ruling uh, on in the double IHF that you that you need to live in Malaysia or you need there was a couple of rule changes back then. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to play anymore, right? Right. So I remember our first blowout was against uh, South Korea. Oh. That was South Korean. It was like, and they were really nice. It was, I think the final score was like 15-1. Like, but they were really nice. They let us score that one goal. They actually yeah. let us score. Uh, but also that was the first time I saw snow because I went to Canada during summer, right? So, That's right. So most of us never had seen snow before or skated outdoors. So that was the first time most of us have seen snow all skated outdoors. So yeah, there were tons of cool experiences back then. Like, but yeah, uh, well, let's keep yeah. let's keep going. I want to hear some more stories. I mean, we have a lot to go through in the next uh, little while here. But from from that point on, in two thousand and seven, you get your yeah. first chance to you know play in an international tournament. Um, you won your first game. 
you head back to Malaysia after that experience and what's next and how excited were the people uh, that are and the people you were playing with, how excited were you guys to go back and just be motivated to improve your skills and be like, you know, we can do this. Like what was next? So the next thing was development. So that was always my goal, like okay. to grow the sport in Malaysia, always. Till now, it's, it's still the same. Like it's yeah. never changed to grow the sport in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So like I wanted to promote the sport, like to, to find new players, to, to grow the game. So we would always do like open days and, and open skates or, you know, get people to join in, start the hockey school. Mm. So we started the hockey school for, for beginners and all. So everything was just for that, for, for it to grow because most of our players were older players. So we were all like, right. like 25 and 30 years old. Like yeah. Literally my first game, like, like I was 27 when I represented Malaysia for the first time. So yeah, I'm pretty old already, right? Yeah. So yeah. In the hockey so, world. Yeah, it's it's terribly old, right? but yeah. But I knew I knew where I was. I wasn't like delusional, right? I knew right. that I couldn't play for a long time, but I could coach for a long time. Yeah. So I, I just started to 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 grow the sport, to promote the sport, right? Yeah. And uh the IIHF was very help helpful during the early years. So they started a challenge cup of Asia for non-winter countries back then. And the first uh, tournament, the Challenge Cup of Asia was in Hong Kong. I, I remember it was yeah. the Mega Ball, right? So mm-hmm. it was the first first tournament they had. And it was only for non-winter countries. So you had Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, Taipei, uh, Malaysia. Uh, I can't remember. It's, I, don't, I can't remember if Singapore was there, but there were only a few countries in there. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Uh, so that, that tournament was a yearly tournament. And that was something that we could look forward to every year to right. represent Malaysia. Yeah. Because the Asian Winter Games was every four years. Right. Yeah. So it was the Asian Winter Games every four years. Right. So the Challenge Cup of Asia was our, you know, we look forward to tournament and we would train for that, right, every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the national team just, just slowly grew from there. And we were lucky enough that... Uh, we met some some great people like uh, in the IIHF to help us out mm-hmm. to 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 push us in the right direction with coaching. So at that time, like I was lucky enough to to go to Virumaki in Finland for a development camp, right? So that was the first time Malaysia participated in a development camp. So again, it was my first time going to Europe and uh, to Finland, right? So uh, at that time. There were not many Asian coaches going there. There were not mm-hmm. many Asian coaches, so I was one of the few. And uh, I was lucky enough to get involved in the development coach program. It was so in the in Virumaki they had different uh, programs for learn to play, for managers, for head coaches, mm-hmm. for for uh, referees. Yeah. So and to be involved in as a head coach actually is pretty difficult. Yeah. But I was lucky enough that they gave me an opportunity to be a head coach in, in one of the teams there. And that's where I met like a lot of the coaches who helped me develop as well. Mm-hmm. Uh so when I went there in I think it was two thousand and 
eight, if I'm not mistaken, seven or eight, I can't remember. I was eight, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to to room like so. We would you wouldn't stay with your teammates with your country. You would stay with different players from different countries. And I was lucky to be roomed with a Canadian coach, <laughs> Andre Dumont. Okay. So he was he was coaching in the Quebec Major Junior League. Yeah. Right. And at that time, I had I just I knew of the the queue, right? But mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. But he was he was very helpful. He was, uh, so Mark Mark guided me, and I learned a lot of things from Mark, like how to to set a team up, like you know how to talk before games, after game, to prepare for training. So like. And I would pick his brain. <laughs> yeah. Every every second I could, I would ask questions. Yeah. And I was lucky that I met some great coaches who who shared all this knowledge with me. Because I would be at the ring, like I would be with the coach. So one of the things that I told myself was, if I were to sit down, no one's going to come up to me and and ask me, "Hey, Gary, yeah, uh, do you want to learn more?" <laughs> no, that's not how it works. No, no one's gonna do that, especially with this Asian guy. Like, yeah, like I was a scrawny Asian guy, right? No one cares. Yeah. So you have to go. I had to go up and ask, and I would, I wouldn't. I'll make myself. I'll kind of belittle myself. Like, I'll make myself small. I can't make myself. I thought I know everything because they're gonna go talk to Mister Know It All. Right. So I would, I would go up and I'll ask them like for advice, for help, and and I was lucky that they. They sat down and they talked to me, mm-hmm. and I would take notes and and everything. And I, 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 there was one coach from Sweden. I still remember his name was Bjorn Patterson. So I met Bjorn a couple of times, and uh, I think it was a few years later when I went back for the camp. Like he did a private session for me. He sat me down and he had a one-on-one coaching session with me, and. That blew my mind. Like it opened my eyes to so many things. Yeah. Like just stuff like that. Just yeah. People in the hockey world are so supportive, and um, I know you're telling me a lot of the good things and a lot of the good stories that um that you've been through. But there must have been some very difficult ones. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of the things you might have faced as an Asian man heading into uh, heading into hockey? And tell me a few. Tell me a few of those challenges that you faced. Oh God, uh, too many. Too many. To really yeah. But there's too many like occasions where I had that when I was in Canada. Like it's sad to see it say that, but yeah. it's true. Of so course. I would I would go uh, uh I would fast forward to 2010 when I went back to Canada. Uh and I took part in uh Hockey Canada's uh coaching program. It was a level one coaching program. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I I still remember this today. I I still remind myself of this till today. And Jules already my coach. He he kind of gave me the hints up. He go like Gary, this is going to be uh, how you say it's going to be interesting for you because mm. everyone there eat shit sleeps hockey right. But yeah. to to them I I'm nothing. I right? I'm I'll probably be the only Asian. Which yeah I was like the only Asian yeah. right there. And there are not many Asian coaches back then as well. That's that's the truth. Yeah. They were Joe said that in two thousand five, like, and two thousand and ten, there were probably a handful of of Asian coaches, handful, easily. And I was so this was the first day of the, the course, right? And obviously I was, 
So I was already coaching, like I was already coaching with Jules in his camps. Yeah. So I, I was very familiar with his program and the skills and, and, I, and I have been coaching for five years already, right? Like nonstop, right? Yeah. So, so my knowledge was pretty much there already. So when I, when I got into the course and I sat down, I sat, obviously I sat by myself at the back and uh, they started, I remember they started to pick groups, right? And obviously I got picked last. I remember that so clearly. I got picked last and 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 because they didn't know who, who I was. I was mm-hmm. just this Asian guy, right? Yeah. And and I was just filled into a group like like okay, they, they this group, that group, and oh, oh I'm the leftover. Okay, you go there. Okay, I was the leftover. So I went over to a group and they were just talking among themselves. They never asked for my feedback, they never asked for anything from me. They just and I, I, and I'm not the type of guy who would just butt in, right? Like, right. I would just sit there and I'll listen. They never once turned and looked at me and said, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, what do you think about that? Nothing. Yeah. And I remember this one simple thing, like I will never forget. They asked me, do you have your own pair of skates? They asked me that question. I swear to God. That was <sighs> the one thing that I remember till today. And that fueled me so bad, like, it's like, uh, do you have your own pair of skates? Do, you, do we need to borrow skates for your house? Like, oh my. It was, yeah. it was bad. Like, well, I was like, that- yeah, yeah, I, I have, I have. I, and I acted like, like normal. Like, I, I didn't want to say anything, right? Like, of course. Yeah. I, just, I just pretended like I didn't know shit, right? Yeah. So, and, and I said, okay. So, how, how did the training went? That there was a group of kids. And there were, I think, four groups. So, uh, two groups on the first day, two groups on the second day or something like that. And one group will be uh, on the ice coaching. One group will be helping out, right? So during the part, uh, they were <laughs> so happened that in my group, they were teaching skating. <laughs> okay. And yeah. I was quite proficient in my skating already like then. Yeah. So this, and all these guys, to be honest, they were all parents. They were all parents learning how to coach. Okay. They were not like high level coaches or whatever. They were just parents. Like there were a couple of guys who were coaches coaching at like, you know, house league or single A, some double A, but not many high level coaches. Mm-hmm. Right. And FYI, they had no idea what my name was. They never once asked my name also. Right. So, uh, the day off, uh, they, so they went through the whole program for the the on ice and they didn't ask for my input on what should they do or what can I do or whatever. They said, okay, let's do whatever. Okay. So guess what? I did whatever. So I yeah. did exactly what we would do during our camps. And none of the coaches could show the drill. So I would do like inside edge touching the ice or outside yeah. edge and you know I'll do all these power skating stuff. They had no idea that of anything, right? And after I did all that, they qu- they questioned me. It's like, uh, oh, where did you learn all of this? <laughs> after that, right? all of a sudden, like, yeah, all, all of a sudden, sudden they're they, like, wow, they, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, this guy kind of knew how to skate. Yeah, I say, where did you learn all this? Oh, I'm I'm working for world class hockey. What world class hockey? You know Jules? Yeah, I've been working with him for the summer. Oh, oh, I sent my kids to that camp. Uh, Jules is coming to coach my team uh, uh, with you. <laughs> I was like, that was, 
then after that they started to get to know me. Yeah. After well, that, like, so that was my first. Well, that's terrible, man. That you had to go through that. I mean, um, but that being said, I mean the the fact that you were able to just kind of push through, laugh it off, uh, kind of show them, you know, by doing like, hey guys, I I, I can I I got this, you know, I know what I'm doing here. Um, good on you, man. That's, that's incredible. So honestly, uh, when you come back to Malaysia now for after 2010, you got a program going, did you start to focus on kids at that point and their development? Uh, knowing that obviously you probably, I'm assuming that you learned when you were in Canada that you got to start at the bottom, you know, um, with kids and, and, you know, you, the, the main thing, and you even said it yourself, power skating, the fundamentals, things like that. Was that where you turned your focus and, and what happened? Tell me about the growth from 2010 on. Oh yeah. So when, when I got back again, like I, I again, the sole focus was just development. Right. So yeah, I, I would run uh, a camp, like a power skating camp or shooting and scoring camp. And like, I would just do that every year. Right. And I'll just, it doesn't matter if the same thing over and over again, right? But I, the kids just needed to learn the, the fundamentals. So that was my goal. Yeah. So there, back then, I, nev- I didn't know where I was heading towards as well. Yeah. I was still working, by the way. So I, I still, uh, until 2010, like when I came back, I came back early 2011, right? So I was in Canada for a year in 2010. So... But before I left Canada in 2010, I quit my job. So, so I told myself, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I'm going to mm-hmm. make a living out of, right? And that was scary at that time. You never know what it's going to be, right? So I can only doing, imagine. being a full-time coach in, in mm-hmm. Malaysia, an ice hockey coach, of, yeah, that was crazy. Right? That is so crazy. Risk. It was a huge risk. In, yeah. And... Well, I, I, and again, my goal was simple. Like I had that mind. So again, when I returned, when I went back to Canada in 2010, that's when I started to, to learn more about setting up an academy, like uh, uh, my own academy and my own programs and stuff like that, right? All right, let's so, jump right into that. Like obviously uh, everyone can see your shirt there, Gary Tan's Ice Hockey Academy. Um, this is when this is the stuff I've been following you doing on social media and all your drills and the things that you pick up on hockey games and the clips that you share. It's incredible. So tell me about when you started the academy. How did you, how did it start and um, and how fast and and where has it taken you since you began? Okay, so I was in charge of the Malaysian development program up till 2013 okay since from 2007 or 6 to 2013 so i was in charge of that and uh things took a turn and i was thinking about okay hey maybe i needed to to start my own academy like then i had i had more uh i would say power to control what i wanted to do yeah so at that time i, I kind of knew that i wanted to, to start my academy already but I was planning towards it. I was planning on it. And I wanted to make sure that I had everything in place, like the logo, the, the programs, the like everything. I wanted to make sure I had everything in place. So it took me like a couple of years before I actually launched it in 2015. Okay. okay so in 2015, I, I, 
I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to launch this. And, and it, it all started in 2015. So I told myself the first, I need to promote my academy. I need to get the word out there about my academy, right? So I had this all far-fetched ideas. I had all yeah. these far-fetched ideas, right? Like at that time, no one did kind of what I did. Like I could honestly say that, right? Yeah. So I, I, I said to myself, I got to bring Jules. I got to bring Jules over to Malaysia to, to do my first hockey camp. So I called it the Canadian ice hockey experience. Wow. So that's what it was. Yeah. So I got Jules to come over and I remember we had close to 80 players join the camp and we would go up to like mid, like past 1 AM. Like, because you could only use the ice ring pass like from 10 PM onwards. After right? the mall closed. After, yes. After it closes. So my, wow. I had, two sessions and we would end up finishing like one in the morning or something like that. And uh, that was, again, it was a dream for me because it took me like more than 10 years to get Jules to come down. And yeah. it, it was mind blowing to actually get him down to Malaysia. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had this vague idea of what I wanted. So the first year I, I did a power skating camp. And so in 2017, I did uh, Sean Skinner, the stick handling camp. So I got Sean Skinner, who is the guru of stick handling, to come down yep. and do a stick handling camp. Then I told myself, okay, then I need to do shooting. So I got to know of Tim Turk. So I got Tim, uh, who is now a very good friend of mine, to come down to Malaysia in 2018, uh, sorry, 2018 to do a shooting camp. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I told myself, okay, so I did, I did skating, I did stick handling, I did shooting. Why, has, why isn't there a passing and receiving camp? So that is yeah. something that like, kind of blew my mind. Like, and, I, and I went on the internet and I searched for it and there was no such thing as a passing and receiving camp. Yeah, like, ding, ding, ding. Yep. Yeah. And, <laughs> So, and I told myself, like, okay, so Jules had his power skating, Tim had his shooting, Sean had his stick handling. Mm -hmm. No one did passing and receiving. So I did, like, I did my, my work, right? And I, and I ended up starting, I could honestly say, the first ever passing and receiving camp in the world. That's <laughs> incredible, man. What? Yeah, great yeah, vision. Honestly, you had great vision. And, and you had the, uh, the guts to, uh, to, to follow through and just... Oh God! Yeah, figure yes. it out. I mean, that's the hardest part. Anything new that you're doing, sometimes you just got to figure it out. You can't depend yeah, on yeah. someone else. If if it's not there, you got to do it yourself. And yeah. yeah, that's incredible. So keep going. Tell me more. So, uh, it, it just slowly just grew from there. Like I, I I knew where I wanted to go when I started my academy. Mm -hmm. and obviously, my my end goal was to hopefully travel to coach in, in camps overseas, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of grew, like like Thailand gave me my first opportunity. Like I, I was very, very grateful for that. Like I, obviously before that, I, I did some camps in Singapore before. Yeah. And well, we haven't touched about Indonesia yet, but- Yeah, we'll get there. That's, that's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, so, uh, so it started from there. Like Thailand gave me my first opportunity to, to, to run a- uh, and Thailand was pretty big back then. I mean, in, yeah, Thailand is big, right? In yeah. Hockey in Southeast Asia. So yep. to get a call to to go to Thailand to to run a camp, that was pretty big for me. So uh, I got to thank Kong, who was in charge of the 
the Bangkok Zeus team over there, who okay. is also the captain of the women's national team. So she she gave me my my chance. Okay, and it kind of grew from there. So was that the first time you went somewhere to teach the passing and receiving skills camp? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. That was the first time I did that. Yeah. So then uh, I I just started to promote, try to promote that. Right. So uh, Mike Lam gave me a chance to to come to Hong Kong to run Mm -hmm. my passing receiving camp. I was supposed to go do some more camps in 2020, but obviously COVID hit and yeah, it kind of stopped that. But uh, I had plan to do that to travel and, and, and do my passing and I'm sure you'll get the opportunity once the borders open so up too, again yeah, yeah I hope so too but it was uh, it just I and I and I, again I knew how to do power skating right and I was and I was always a good shooter like I could always teach shooting yeah right so so my my goal was to 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 learn everything and this is something my coach Jules told me uh, when I first started with him in 2005. And uh, to learn everything, to be good at everything, right? But be a master of some. So, yeah. you know, the jack of all trades, master, master of none. none. Yeah. Yeah. So, mine is a jack of all trades, master of some. I like so, that. Yeah. So, I, I've, I've been a master of some of the skills. So, I'm not the greatest at stick handling, but obviously I know how to teach it. But yeah. I am good at my passing, receiving, and shooting, and 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 I just just learned to develop that right. Mm-hmm. And I was, and and while still being a student of the game, like I was always, I watch. So my homework was to watch hockey mm-hmm. every night before I sleep. So I will watch highlights of hockey games, and I watch every single. Pittsburgh Penguins game that Sidney Crosby has played in since he started in 2006 or I can't remember five or six yeah so I've watched every game he's played in that's incredible it's but funny miss- it, it's funny you just mentioned being a student of the game I was actually chatting with my dad this morning and thanking him for for teaching me to be a student of the game because I think that's the most important part of it's oh, a yeah. it's a game number one it's a game you gotta know you have to know that right from the beginning and you have to know that there's going to be so many positives that you can take out of it. And there's going to be a lot of negatives, but if you continue to just learn and be a student and watch, there's so many life lessons and there's so many things in that world that you can learn and that you can bring out to the world around you. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's the most important part. And being, being a student of the game is like, a yeah, it's, it's a, it's what it's what it's actually a passion like you have to be passionate about it Mm -hmm. there's no two ways around it yeah you you must be passionate about this the thing that you're doing right if you don't have that then it's not going to take you anywhere yeah like you can like the sport like i know many players will like the sport yeah but they're not students of the game they're not passionate about it right you don't want to learn Mm -hmm. right and and i i don't know where it stemmed from Like, like i just wanted to learn more i wanted to, to know more yeah and and i knew when when at, at an early age that uh when i when i started to do this like i wanted to be the best that i could be i, I wasn't going to go halfway because my parents sacrificed a lot for me so i knew that i cannot let them down like i had to go all out i, I can't mess this up right mm-hmm. and again being an asian guy coaching hockey 
it's just not easy, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, and it took a lot of suffering and, and, and pains to get where I am. And it, like, I, I have to, to thank the support that I've got from, 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 you know, my friends, my family yeah. who, who gave me the push, you know, yeah. the motivation, right? course so yeah it's I, so it, it it's so it's so touching man to hear that and like what we talk about being a student of the game of the the other side of that is like being a fanboy and just someone who just oh, cheers yeah. cheers for a team and you know i love this oh. team like i'm a habs fan but i'm a hockey fan number one uh i don't yeah. i don't care if the habs win game seven i hope they do but if they don't i just want to see a good hockey game you know things like that so those messages are the messages that are so important to sp- for you to spread um, in your camps and in your programs. And it seems like, you know, you're on top of that. And that's really impressive. Thanks. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. I mean, like, it's, you know, like, like most of them, like hockey is still like, it's not a, it's not their number one sport. Like, they're right. just starting to learn. Obviously, like, mm-hmm. uh, like the kids that I started to develop at a much younger age, like, they, they grew that passion and that's where they became really good like Mm -hmm. we have some really good players here in malaysia as well right yeah and it all and those players are the ones that got really passionate about the sport like and i still Mm -hmm. remember when i started with uh well the players who are representing malaysia right now i started with them in 2011 right before that and right now they are representing the country right and yeah and, and back then i never knew they were going to get to that level all i knew was i had to focus on the development Mm-hmm. And and right now, and and one of the highlights of my of my, I think it was in, two thousand and eighteen or nineteen, I can't remember what year was it, that Malaysia won, all the championships like in the IHF like the U twenty the men's the women, like in that one year, and wow. I coached I remember I coached all of them, I literally coached like a hundred percent of all the players, back then, yeah. and to see all and I. And just to see them accomplish that was very like overwhelming, I would say, because I can it, imagine. It, yeah, it was, and I was, I wasn't the, I wasn't coaching the team. I was, I coached right. them since they started, right? Like right. they had their own head coaches. So yeah, even though you're not, even though you're not coaching the team anymore, um, you're yeah. certainly developing all the players that are, you know, filling up the rosters. And where does Malaysia stand now when they go to competitions uh, against other Southeast Asian teams and even against some of the bigger ones uh, like Korea or, you know, China? How, how would you fare against those teams nowadays? Korea, Japan, China, not even close. Not even close. Yeah. Even but I mean, I, I mean, closer. Th- how close is it? Again, the, the, the issue, I mean, if you want to go a bit more technical, right, yeah, yeah. is we, we don't have a full team. Right. You get, you get my point. We don't have yeah. a full team. Like it's that the, the hardest part is we don't have a full team. Right? Like, like we probably have like a couple of good players. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm for sure like if we have a few players who could play with them. That's easily. That we could definitely do that, right? Yeah. And each country has that. Each uh, Southeast Asian country, like they have that. Right? We have a few players who could play at a high level, but we don't have a full team of players right. at that level who could compete with them. Right, So that's where the difference is. right? And yeah, most countries, yeah, so most countries have that. And where we stand right now against them, yeah, not, not even close right now. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Southeast Asia, yeah, you know, top three, depending. 
it, it all depends. Like it's, yeah. it's very close. Like depends on which age group, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's men's or women. Right. Uh, so another thing that I'm, I'm pretty happy about is the women's program. Like, like I started the women's program here in Malaysia. Yeah. I can't remember when was it in 2014 or something. Mm-hmm. And it grew. Like it grew. I remember we barely had a handful of girls. Right now, yeah. we could we, we can actually start a league with girls. Like we have wow. like four teams. Like so, it has grown a lot. Like uh, and a lot of people has played their part. Like it, I'm not the only one. Like I'm mm-hmm. just a fool, right? But mm-hmm. people, everyone had to play their part. Right. Right. So I'm just one part of it. Yeah. So you didn't only build hockey in Malaysia. You've also built hockey in Indonesia. Somehow, amongst all these other things and that you're doing, um, you, you, how did you take that on? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that experience about coaching in Indonesia. Let me just. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it's incredible. Like you not you not only started hockey in one country, you started hockey in two countries. So. <laughs> Okay, so this is, I think, in 2014. Wait, I need to pull up the date on this. Yeah, I don't want to get it wrong. No rush. Uh, 2014, yeah. Mm-hmm. 2014. <clears throat> so, back then, obviously, back then, my academy wasn't set up yet, by the way. 2014, I my academy. Yep. So, uh, it was true my playing days, like, uh, I, I, I remember that I played against an Indonesian team in a tournament here in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And I had a really good tournament. We won the tournament and I was the best player for that tournament, right? So, uh, I, I still remember the, one of the coaches, uh, Andy, who's Indonesian, uh, he emailed me and I said, hey, Gary, I, would you be interested in coming to Indonesia <clears throat> to to run a hockey clinic uh, at their new ice rink. They had a new ice rink. So they had they have an older ice rink, but there was not much hockey there. So a new ice rink opened in Bintaro. It's, it's called a BX ring. So Andy messaged me and said, hey, Gary, uh, I got I had no idea who he was, by the way. So he's like, oh, I got to know you from the tournament. I thought you were, you know, we would like to help have you over. So because of that good tournament that I had, I got the invitation to come. Wow. Not because of my, they knew I was coaching as well. But, yeah, you know they knew I was coaching, of course. But but because I had a good tournament, so so the hard work paid off from. from it always does. It always <laughs> does. Yeah. So so it it kind of started from there. In 2014, I went over there to run the first development uh, hockey program, right? And they had all their. Uh, kids who barely knew how to skate or do anything right mm-hmm. and i had to, to come up with like uh, so so i went there for the first time i just did my normal power skating and shooting uh, all the skills and they asked me to stay over for another week so it kind of grew from from one week to two weeks to three weeks so yeah, so I ended up staying there for from one week to two week to three weeks. Yeah. So I, I I started to teach the coaches as well. So I went over for two things to learn to coach, learn to play, and also learn to coach. Mm-hmm. So I did two things, and I also taught them how to sharpen skates. So oh wow! 
So I went over there to sharpen, to teach them how to sharpen skates as well. So that was, uh, yeah. So, and, and I also uh, got them to get in touch with the IIHF. So I, I kind of like wanted them to follow the same process that I went right. through, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and, it, and it just slowly grew, right? And in 2016, uh, they contacted me. I mean, like I, I still went there yearly. I went there quite often to run yeah. the camp. And they was like, okay, we, we got our national team. Uh, would you like to be the head coach? I'll be like, great. Wow. So, I would love to, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. A great opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Coach a national team for the first time. And what, what did your Malaysian friends think about that? To be honest, like uh, back then, like uh, it was interesting because I was not very, uh, I totally like left all, like I, I didn't want to get involved in the hockey scene in Malaysia, just like coaching, just coaching. I didn't want to get involved with national teams or all that, right? So I, my sole focus was to build my academy. Yeah. To build my academy. So, <clears throat> but for my friends and family that I close with, it was pretty interesting. Uh, it was uh, a unique opportunity back then. Yeah. So this was my schedule back then, and this is the, this is the truth. You can check yeah. my passport. <laughs> like I would, uh, every, uh, wait, was it, Wednesday, uh, morning, I would take a flight to Indonesia, and I would arrive in the evening, and I'll start coaching at night, right on Wednesday. And I would coach all the way till Saturday morning. I have one class Saturday morning in Indonesia. And I would fly back Saturday afternoon. And I was doing that for a few years. Wow. And I would, there were, I would travel back and forth because I had my hockey program on uh, uh, Sunday night and uh, Tuesday that I couldn't miss. That, that was my program. So I had right. to do double work, right? So, I didn't want to lose my program in Malaysia while I, I would, you know, still continue. And the people in Indonesia were so supportive of that. They were, I was lucky they actually allowed me to fly back and forth every week. Right. right? Yeah. So I was like, okay. And it was tiring. It was very yeah. tiring. How long did you stay involved with the hockey program in Indonesia? Until 2018. And then you just... After yeah, that, no, I mean, so I'm focus. Still, You're still, still yeah. okay. I still help out. Yeah, I still help out. I still okay. am in contact with their coaches and with their players. Yeah, I'm still very close with a lot of them actually. So well, awesome. I live there. Right? Technically, yeah. I live there. Yeah. So, uh, and most of the students that we started in 2014 are all representing their country right now. So that's pretty cool to see all those young kids who are like tiny kids now. All yeah. Like, young adults representing their country. So so it all started from there, right? Very and cool. Again, they, they don't have a full-size ice cream in Indonesia as well. So mm-hmm. this is one of the few things that is, you know, help hem, uh, hampering the uh, development of the sport. Yeah. is the size of the ring. There's not enough rings, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's... Well, that, that leads me right into my next question. What does, what does Asia need most? to help um, continue growing the game? What's the biggest deficit or the biggest thing, like you said, hampering the development of the game here? Uh, ice rings, definitely. Ice rings. Mm-hmm. Not enough ice rings. Uh, 
and to be really honest, uh, quality uh, coaching material. Mm-hmm. Like, like there are lots of coaches. Don't get me wrong. There are tons of coaches. Yeah. But it's just the, the information that are not being passed down. So most of the information that are being passed down are of the 1970s. <laughs> like right. Like old man hockey, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, there's old knowledge out there and the game has developed evolved so much mm-hmm. since then right? you, you of course some things are the same right but uh, there are a lot of things that have changed since then right like stick stick technology you know I of mean, course like, yeah like in terms of like like the speed the size of the player like all of this everything's changing you won't see you don't see much okay and this is like purely my own and people can obviously question me about this yeah yeah like I would I would say like the one thing and this is something that I learned from Tim Turk as well. <clears throat> so if if you notice back then, you would see a lot of players shoot off one leg. Mm-hmm. They would go on one leg and then shoot off, right? But in the past few years, I would say I don't know how wait, four years, three four years, right? You will see more and more players shoot off their strong foot. That means if I'm a right hander, I shoot off my left leg. Not mm-hmm. on one foot, with two legs on the ice. So the more you won't see many single leg shots, you know the Phil Castle one legged. Like yeah, it, yeah. You don't see that. Obviously, it's still there. It's not gone. It's just yeah. you don't see it as much as they are back in the day. Right. You see more what we call the stride shots. And yeah. exa- this is an example, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously, the game has changed so much. Yeah. Like the speed, the skating, the skating skills, and all yeah. of this. Like the size, you know, last time you need to be like huge to be able to play. Now you got to play like Cole Caulfield, who's like, yeah, what, what, he's tiny and he's yeah. like, so, you know, the game has changed. So yeah, the coaching style has to change as well. It's, Absolutely. It's, it yeah. Right. Everything yeah. evolves, right? So who this is the thing. Sorry. Is that what you get? Sorry, you keep going. <clears throat> no. So that's something that I, I learned to adapt. Okay. To change. Yeah. And who are the who are some of the inspirational coaches that you look to now? People that inspire you to adapt and change, like the, in the NHL or oh like anyone the, doesn't have to be NHL. Well, obviously, my my coach Jules definitely yeah. was one of the biggest influences in my life. Like mm-hmm. without him, I I keep on saying this: if if it's not for him, I would not be sitting here talking to you. Okay, like, easily. Okay, yeah, he was the biggest influence in my life. Yeah. Like and then over the years, I got to know like like Sean Skinner and Tim Turk, so and obviously uh, Mark Andre who who helped me out when I was in Canada and uh yeah, so like he was Mark who I met at the IIHF camp. He was gracious enough to let me stay with him for a few weeks and be a fly on the wall and join his Quebec Major Junior team. Like, wow! I was <clears throat> I would go for all the practices, the team talks. The, you know, like watch all the games. I would be a fly on the wall. I'll be in yeah. the dressing room when they had their talks and I would just listen and learn how they, you know, how they ran a major junior team. Yeah. And yeah, that was incredible. Like I had no idea the things that they had to do. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky that I, I, all these people, they were gracious enough to, to help me, to guide me mm-hmm. and, and to, to be where I am right now. It's all these people. Right. I am where I am right now from the help that I've gotten from all these coaches, you know, 
and they just you know guided me and i always wanted to be my own person like i didn't want to copy <clears throat> you know yeah like i i needed to be my own person right and of that's course. why i yeah that's why i started to do everything like a little bit different you know that's awesome, man. And you, uh, we, I wanted to mention before I let you go, the, you took part in the Global Skills Showcase, um, a, a program where you were involved with maybe the top 20 coaches in the world. Yeah. I mean, an opportunity, that, an opportunity of a lifetime. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was yeah. scared out of yeah. my mind. No, it was just a shot in the dark. It was last year. Mm -hmm. it, it literally was a shot in the dark. Like, uh, uh, no, it was actually, no, sorry. Last year, it was this year. Yeah. Uh, it was this year. Like, I saw uh, an email. So I subscribed to the coaches' site and they sent an email uh, to ask all the coaches who would like to apply for this global skill showcase. And I just, out of the whim, like just okay, I just sent in <coughs> my application, excuse yeah. me, and I just said, hey, uh, I I I did this. This is my background, uh, and I want to talk about passing and receiving. All right, and I got a reply. <laughs> I got like, yeah. so the guy replied me. I was like, hi Gary, like uh, we would like to interview you, you know, to find out more about what you want to, to talk about. And so it just kind of snowballed. So at first it was the top 10 coaches, but the response was pretty good. So they added on, they wanted to do more, right? Yeah. So, and they mentioned to me at that time that there were not many, uh, they don't have much material on passing and receiving on their side. They had tons of uh, NHL coaches talking about four checks and back checks and power plays and PKs. Yeah but they were not fundamental drills on their side. So I was one of the few who, who gave them that, that uh, of what this subject and they were mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, let's run with this. <clears throat> yeah. So it was very nerve wracking to be yeah. really honest because I was there with like really top coaches from all around the world, right? And you're presenting to them. And I'm presenting. It was my first yeah. time presenting after a long time. Right? Yeah. And it was, uh, I had to come up with the material. So uh, it was scary because the first time I did it, I just rambled on. <laughs> and <laughs> it was too long, right? The, the yeah. thing was too long. And we had to re-record it because, uh, yeah, I, I just spoke too long, too long yeah. about what I wanted to do, right? So, right. And, and, uh, all I can remember from that was you know, this was a great opportunity. Like, yeah. I could not have asked, asked for more. Like this was a, a good, I would say pat on the back, like to tell me that I, I've done something. Like, of course. Yeah. You know, I've accomplished something. Right. Like, because usually this is probably the only time that you will get some kind of recognition. Like, of course. Yeah. That, that actually people who recognize what I'm doing. And to, to hear the feedback that I've got throughout the, the seminar was pretty cool to get yeah. coaches to reply me. And obviously with, with that, there, there are good and bad, right? There's obviously people who like who disagree with, with certain things mm -hmm. that I talk about during yeah. my, my seminar, right? And I don't, I, I don't disagree with anyone. Right? Right. There's different mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And as I mentioned, 
the, the sport has grew. It has changed, right? And the comments that I got were people from the old school mindset. Yeah. So that, that old school mentality and the, the, the what's going on right now is so different, right? So it's, it's very interesting to see that and there's still that old school mentality yeah. and, and things have changed. And as you can see from some of my Instagram, like, uh, like the things that I post up, right? like these are the things, the comments that I got, like I'm trying to debunk it, like, like trying to prove that like what you're saying is not true right now. It might be last time during the 80s and 90s, you know, where, where hitting was so big and, you know, you got to crush somebody and stuff like that, right? Like things have changed so yeah. much. Yeah. And, and everybody tends to be think, still thinking about back then, right? And well, that's incredible. You're, that's incredible vision that you have. And I'm, it's, it's really inspirational, man, to listen to what you're saying and um, to see what you've gone through. And uh, I, can't, uh, I can't say thank you enough because uh, sharing your knowledge of the game with people in Asia, I mean, it's very important to me. I think it's really important to to the entire hockey world that we have people like you out here um, doing everything you can to improve the game um, without without trying to make it about yourself. I mean, you, you're obviously passionate about the game because of uh, what it's given you and the opportunities that it's given you. So where's the game taking you next, Gary? What's next for you? What's next? Uh, <laughs> honestly speaking, right now, with the pandemic and everything like like things are tough right it's it's mm-hmm. tough like trying to survive i like i feel for all coaches like every single coach for every sport out there like i feel that feel all the pain that they're going through right like mm-hmm. it's it's tough. like you know we sacrifice so much to to be involved in this and then right now some most of us are not able to do what we love right and and to right now like the goal is to survive to be honest, long-term goals right now, obviously, obviously, I want to grow my academy. I want to, to promote my, my passing and receiving program uh, to, to promote like the development of hockey and like, to just just get the, the sport to grow and hopefully get more ice rings. And, and obviously, in terms of personal, like, like I'm, I'm, I have a couple of projects that I'm working at. Like I, uh, like I, I want to, to start up some off ice stuff like like you know just to to like on ice and off ice things like i want to start up some stuff so mm-hmm. there are some, some cool things that are happening actually yeah and i, I can't release too much because it's still pnc some of the stuff of right like, yeah like but, but there are some cool things that are happening and uh, uh i would think like probably by next year when things kind of ease up a little bit when things start to get back to normal hopefully Mm-hmm. that I will start to launch some of the uh, projects that I have well, with some of the people that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And that is, and I don't know where that's going to take me, actually. Right. So, I don't think anybody like, knows what's going to happen in the next little while. Yeah. But, I mean, um, how can people get in touch with you or anyone who's interested in, in knowing more about your academies? How can, how can people find you? Yeah, well, you can go on my Instagram account. Uh, mm-hmm. Ice Hockey Academy or Facebook, uh, or they can email me at uh, at Gary at uh, Uh But like on Instagram or Facebook, you can you can find me on there or mm-hmm. my website G10IceHockey.com. Like everything awesome. is linked over there, right? Like, but 
Like I, I would, I would love to go to sport everywhere. Like that's my goal since I since I started. Yeah, it's still the same. Like whoever, whenever I get to talk about hockey, like right now. Yeah, trust me, Chris. Like I'm so happy. Like I, I get to talk hockey. You Because, know, you know, like I, I don't, I don't get many people that I can talk hockey to here. You know yeah, right? of course. And I'm in, like I'm in the smallest pond in the world. Like in 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 Toronto, that's the biggest freaking ocean of hockey there, right? Exactly. And I'm, I'm a little pond like like here, right? Well, I'll tell you this, Gary. You can talk hockey with me anytime you want, and uh, I'm sure that your story is going to inspire a lot of people. And um, yeah, honestly, man, thank you for everything you're doing, and um, I wish you nothing but the best in the future. And I hope that your hockey academy takes off. I can't wait for you to come back to Hong Kong so we can uh, maybe work together. Um, I'd love to get out on the ice with you. Um, I've coached quite a few years myself, and uh, I'd love to uh, to share any anything with you and uh, and help or whatever I could do. It just let me oh, know. I, like I'm also one. I'm also here to learn as well, man. Like I yeah. can learn so much. Like, I, I hope. Well, I I hope to, to. I hope this inspires people to to do something. Like like don't sit back and and wait for things to happen. Mm -hmm. Like you got to take a risk. Like if I didn't take a risk in 2005 to email my friend i would not be here like like yeah like that, that, that's one thing i would tell everyone like yeah. and as an asian in in ice hockey you have to take a risk and you can't sit down and expect people to ask you things right you got to go out there and ask people yeah because no one's going to come out to you and talk to you you got to just go out and find and look for that information or knowledge because that that's how that's where i am right now if yeah. i sat down quietly <laughs> i wouldn't be here so yeah incredible incredible information man and thank you so much for sharing your story with me and i wish like again i wish you nothing but the best thanks chris i really appreciate you all thank right you, take care man that was across the pond and that's a wrap thank you thank you thank you to our amazing sponsors the china hockey group AccessoryHouseGlobal.com, Yardley Brothers Beer, Wheel Hub Asia, The Big Bite Restaurant, Sunset Studio, and Print House Limited. And a giant thank you to my producer Andy, who makes us sound great week in and week out. And of course, Mr. Paul McLean, who makes everything happen here at the studio. Folks, check out our website at AcrossThePondHK.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at AcrossThePondHK.